0: Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast as we continue on through a sermon series that we are calling uh, The Bible Doesn't Tell Me So. And I'll explain more about that in a moment. But before I do, let me read today's passage that we'll be focusing on. This comes from the book of First Corinthians in the New Testament. This is chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 17. So, uh, for those who don't know, 1 Corinthians is a letter written by a man named Paul, and he's writing to a church in the city of Corinth. So, here are these words. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. And do not complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as, a, as an example, And they were written down to instruct us, on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, He will also provide the way out, so that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. I speak as to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. Fall weather has finally descended on us here in the Midwest. Yesterday was a really lovely uh, uh, late September day, and whenever this kind of weather comes about, some people think about football, but I uh, think about cross-country. I ran cross-country in high school, and I ran a year in college, and so uh, I always think about meets that we had uh, as runners, but also I would think about workouts that we did, especially early in the season in September when temperatures would be more warm than later in the season. And whenever I think about that, especially in high school, I would think about my coach, uh, Steve Shire, who was one of the most uh, interesting, memorable uh, individuals I've ever come across, certainly a mentor of sorts. Uh, he kind of marched to the beat of a different drummer, but he was successful. We did really well in high school. And I would remember workouts that we did, we would run out to the country club, the golf course outside the town. It'd take about, it was about two miles or so running out there and we would do these hill workouts. So sometimes we would run on the golf course okay and we'd run up and down these hills, which were pretty tough, but sometimes we would also run to the edge of the golf course. There would be this very, in my memory anyway, very steep gravel road, and on hot summer days, we would run up this gravel road, and the dust that would come up from the road made running even more painful than the heat and running up this steep incline. And I have these memories of him uh, at the top of the hill, and again, I'm sure he probably wasn't as brutal as this, but uh, I seem to recall that he was probably gleefully uh, making us run these hills over and over again. Sometimes he would run with us, but he would also be at the top uh, encouraging us, sometimes yelling at us, whatever it took to get us going up this particular hill. I don't know if you had uh, a coach or a teacher or some kind of instructor uh, in your own life who pushed you, uh, just do one more in order to become better, or more proficient at whatever it is that you're doing. I wonder sometimes if we have this kind of image of God, you know, whenever I ask folks to share their own images of God, there are sometimes a diversity of images, but often they're somewhat similar, similar, uh, obviously a popular image that many people have is kind of this stereotypical white man in a beard on a throne image, uh, And some may also have this image of God as a taskmaster, like that really tough coach or teacher or instructor who would give you a list of things to do to accomplish in order for them to uh, be better at whatever it is. And in this case, a picture of God as this taskmaster who wanting you to uh, be better in your own faith life, to grow deeper in your own faith life, or maybe you don't have that thought it's just for some reason this image of God who just has this list of to-do, this ten, list of Ten Commandments, just wanting you to check them off. I think this image is particularly true for those who love the statement that we're going to talk about today in this sermon series. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible doesn't tell me so. And we have looked at different uh, sayings in the past, Uh, And today we're looking at a particular saying that goes like this, something to the effect of God doesn't give me more than I can handle. Just this week, I was reading a writing done by our Hyde Park Woodlawn pastor, Emily McGinley, and she wrote in her uh, site's e-news that a couple of weeks ago, she had a friend share this story that one of their parishioners said they were at an appointment and uh, they asked somebody else how they were doing. And the person said, uh, she told me all the family, financial and health stress going on at their home. And then the person said, I know you're clergy and all, but I don't go to church. And people who do keep telling me, Jesus promised he won't give me more than I can handle. And I'm exhausted. I can't take it anymore. And that just makes me feel worse. So, is this saying true? True. That God doesn't give me, that Jesus doesn't give me more than I can handle? Is this actually in the Bible? I want to do a quick reflection on the verse that may be interpreted in this way, and then we'll take a look at what this saying infers about God and what it does to us. So first, let's take a look at the Bible. Now, contrary to what others said to the woman in Emily's story, nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus promise that He won't give you more than you can handle. In fact, he's sometimes saying just the opposite. In fact, if you look at a passage in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all that you are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, to me, Jesus is saying, you can't handle everything. So, therefore, come to me. But I'm digressing a bit. I want to focus instead on the verse that I think sometimes people point to as the origin of this saying that God doesn't give me more than I can handle. So, let's take a look particularly at verse 13 in this passage from 1 Corinthians. Again, verse 13 reads this way, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, God will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Now, again, this is from 1 Corinthians, written by a man named Paul. Paul started lots of these Uh, churches uh, in this part of the world known today as parts of Greece, parts of Turkey. And uh, Paul was writing to this church around, some scholars believe, fifty fifty one AD. In uh, the book Half Truths, which we're looking at at our own uh, church as part of a class that we're doing before worship uh, by the author and pastor, Adam Hamilton, he writes this, that If you go to Corinth or if you went to Corinth, there would be temples, all kinds of different temples on every corner. And if you purchased meat at the local marketplace, chances were good that it came from an animal who had been sacrificed to a pagan god at one of these temples. So Corinth had this reputation in the Roman world that to live like a Corinthian, that was a, a phrase popular at the time. It was synonymous with drunkenness and sexual license. So members of this new church, now remember this is whole this whole movement is brand new. This way of following Jesus still was very bizarre to a lot of people. So the people who are part of this first church were doing their best to leave their old lives behind and yet temptation was everywhere. So Paul is trying to encourage them by saying you are not alone. Others in the faith have faced temptations. In fact, if we went back a little bit earlier in this scripture today, we would read about the Israelites in the Older Testament who also faced different temptations. And sometimes they would withstand them to the temptations and other times they would uh, uh, fall to these temptations. But Paul is saying, here's the good news. And the focus of this verse, again, let me read it. Paul is saying, with the testing, God also will provide a way out. This is at the end of this verse 13. He's saying, with the testing, testing happens, God also provides a way out. And that, to me, is the good news here, that God provides a way. But if we look at this closely, and if we take this saying that I mentioned earlier, again, that God doesn't give me more than I can handle, if we really begin to pick that apart, how does this uh, portray God? What does this verse, or what does this saying, I should say, uh, say about God. Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, who God is, that there, we talked about the whole notion of, or rather, that everything happens for a reason. And we talked about if that's the case, if we really begin to uh, look at or break this saying apart, it says that God has a reason for pretty awful things in the world. And in some ways, this saying is kind of similar. Again, if we really break it down, it imagines a God who literally gives us things, or who literally gives us things like this coach who's piling things up on us that we are have our arms out, and God keeps putting things in there. Like you can handle this, you can handle this, Oh, oh, you can handle this too. I went to a football game last weekend with my daughter. We visited the campus of the University of Iowa. They started this tradition at Iowa. Uh, during the, at the end of the first quarter, the, there's a brand new children's hospital that uh, overlooks the stadium. And after the first quarter, everybody in the stadium, it's a really wonderful tradition. Everyone in the stadium turns and waves to children who are at the very top floor of this children's hospital. And the children and their family members are up there, too, and they're holding signs. It's a way of saying, we are with you. And while it's a touching moment, as people are waving, you're also realizing that these are children who are sick. And so if we go through this process of really looking at this saying, we're saying that God is saying to these families, well, I will give your child leukemia because you can handle. You can handle this. You can handle the bills that are becoming your way. I mean, if we really take this saying literally, God doesn't give us more than we can handle, then therefore God is piling these things up. You can handle the sleepless nights. You can handle the wondering if your child is going to, to make it in the world. Or in, we're in the midst of the Laquan McDonald trial. I've been uh, re- listening to the really powerful podcast called 16 Shots," and one of the first episodes talks about, particularly, talks to Laquan's friends. And again, we're imagining a God who's saying, "Well, you can you can handle you can handle the killing of your friend. You can handle the killing of your seventeen year old family member." Do we really believe this about God? That God is actually piling things up on our lives, saying to us, so you can handle this and you can handle this and you can handle this. Because if we do believe that, what does that say about God? And I don't believe that this is the kind of God that I come to for strength. This is not the kind of God who is saying to us, I will give you a way out. This is not the kind of God who says, come to me. Come to me when you are weary. So hopefully, we can dispel this notion of who God is, this notion of a God who piles things up, these awful things in our lives, just because God thinks that we can handle things. But another unfortunate thing about this saying is that what it says about us, or what it does to us, rather, I think it isolates us. Because when somebody says this to us, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. It almost says, like, you're on your own here. Like, you and your faith, you've got this you can handle this all on your own. Because, you know, you're strong and your faith your faith is more than enough. And while on those, on one hand, maybe sometimes that's encouraging, but on the other hand, there are so many moments in our lives when we think, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if I can handle all of these things that are coming at me. The very first time I met with uh, the staff parish relations committee at the first church that I served in Riverside, a suburb just west of the city. I met with the, some of the leaders of the church and in the United Methodist Church were appointed to churches. So I'm there, the laity of the church is there, and then somebody who's called a district superintendent, who is essentially kind of the supervisor of pastors in a particular area. This superintendent was there too. And again, I was brand new to the ministry. So we're meeting with them. I think it was on a Thursday or Friday. And I they were like, was essentially literally and figuratively handing me the keys to this church. And I, even though I'd gone to seminary, there still is this feeling like, I really don't know what I'm doing here. And so as we're leaving this meeting, I turned to the superintendent, the supervisor, this person who's been in the ministry, and I said, so if I have any questions, can I just call you? And the superintendent looked at me uh, and said, well, why would you want to do that? As if to say, you know, "You're, you're on your own here, you can handle this. And I suppose it's kind of like throwing somebody into the, deep end like swim just do it as a way to kind of get them going but on the other hand it would have been nice to say yeah sure here's my number if you have questions if you feel like you can't handle it and I'm here for you but that's not kind of what she was saying she was essentially saying well you, you know you can handle this and maybe it was a vote of confidence but really as I think back on it I think it was more like you know what I don't have time <laughs> I don't have time for this which really wasn't necessarily what I was looking for in the moment so when people say this to us, that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, it isolates us. It's saying you, it's it's all on you and your own faith, whether we feel like we can handle it or not. I think another thing that this saying does is it silences us. It seems to say that we're not allowed to say, I can't handle this, that we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to say, people say, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And our response is supposed to be, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm... Jesus and I, we've got this. We've got this. And it's like there's something wrong with you if you admit, you know, I, I can't go on. This is too much. And the scriptures are give us plenty of examples with people who essentially say, I can't handle this, including Jesus. We talked a few weeks ago about Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and he took three people with him as if His own acknowledgement of saying, I cannot do this on my own. I need people around me to get me through this time of trial. You know, there's an interesting thing about, again, going back to this verse uh, in verse 13. The word you is mentioned four times. It says, no testing has overtaken you. God will not let you. It says, your strength, you may be able. And so on the one hand, it might seem like Paul is saying to you here is individually. But actually, if you interpret, if you look at the original Greek of how this was written, this word you actually is the plural you. You know, sometimes in English we talk to, if I say, look to one person and I'm talking and I'm saying, you must do this. and I'm only talking to one person. Or I can look to a crowd of people and say, you must do this. Here, this word is really the plural, meaning Paul is talking to the crowd. A better way maybe of interpreting this would be if you're a Southerner to say, y'all, you know, God will not. Let y'all you you all do this. I'm not a Southerner, so my heart doesn't uh, go off my tongue so easily. Or in Chicago, we may use, like, you have got this. This passage, this passage, this verse is grounded in community. It's grounded in not in individualism, not in isolation, but instead Paul is saying to a group of people, you are all together in this. Again, at the end of this passage that we read today, notice here that he is using the metaphor of the bread, the body. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. We all partake of the one bread. This is the the context of what Paul is saying here to a community. It is not... Individualism. Instead, it is saying to them that you will not be tested so that you can, that you're overwhelmed. But you and God and you and you and you, you're in this together. That God provides a way for you to get through it. Now, this is a a theme at Urban Village. Certainly of community, and we talk about this over and over again. And in fact, we're going to be talking in a few, uh, over the next few weeks, about three real main focuses for the vision of Urban Village for the next year or two. Uh, And we'll be talking about this in different ways. So, one is continuing to live into the anti racism audit that we conducted last year. Uh, Two, we're really going to be putting some uh, resources behind expanding our digital. Uh, imprint uh, doing a lot more digital evangelism, redoing our website, really looking about how we can redo our the way we do social media, and the third thing is this effort that we're calling creating communities. And essentially, what this is doing is we are we talk about uh, launching different uh, worship sites. That's part of our history, but we're also going to be uh, starting. Uh, The hope is starting these little smaller communities, and we're going to try to connect with folks who will never come to worship on Sunday morning. So we'll be starting these smaller communities, and these, these smaller communities will be church for them. And who knows what days or times of the day these will happen. We don't know exactly what the liturgy will look like. We don't know in what kind of locations these will look like. Uh, but these are the kinds of things that we're going to be starting and we're going to be inviting people to think about. Maybe you're called to start one of these smaller communities and actually we have some grant money and we can be able to award small grants to people to start these little communities going throughout the city. One of the people who's helped us with this uh, is a woman at my site named Mary Beth Omido, And Mary Beth and I have been exchanging some emails over the last few weeks and Mary Beth reached out to me uh, Mary Beth is uh, African-American, and she reached out to me one day in email just really uh, asking, do I know any African-American woman therapists? And so I've been working with her and who could also fit her own health plan that she has through her work. And so we've been going back and forth and trying to find somebody for her. And uh, finally, in this week, I asked a little bit more about this. What was it that made her feel... Uh, the need to really reach out. and She said that in in her past, she's used a small group and time with mentors as therapy sessions. And she said that was sometimes good and sometimes problematic. And she's somewhat new to Chicago and doesn't have the same support system built up. So she felt like finding a therapist was a smart move. She named the fact that she's had some difficult situations come up and she's been stuck. And so she's called out She's essentially said to me and to others and I, she did this a, a Facebook post on this a few weeks ago too essentially saying I cannot handle this on my own. So this saying that people said but but you can't but God doesn't give you more than you can handle and Mary Beth is saying actually I feel like I do have more than I can handle and so I am calling out to others to say I need some help here. And she's particular too she knew what she needed she needed to talk to someone who had a better sense of what she's going through, perhaps, than what I could as a straight white man. Mary Beth knew what she needed and she had the courage to be able to name that and to speak up about saying, I can't handle what's going on right now. I need help. And I'm so moved and impressed by her willingness to name that and put that out there. That is, And by her doing so, she was able then to also try to find this way that I believe that God is beginning to create for her. And that's the promise again of verse 13. Paul is saying, no testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. God will not let you be tested beyond your strength. The testing will provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. God is saying that you can endure as hard as it may seem. And I think believe, in especially in times when Jesus gives us a, a model of saying that at times, it also means calling out and saying, I cannot handle this right now. I need community. I need the plural you, as is noted in this passage. It's what Mary Beth did. It's what others have done in our Church, and it's what I hope you can do too. It's hope, It's what we can do with this creating communities effort that we are starting to. God provides a way out, and I believe that God does not expect us to do this on our own. I don't believe that God piles these things up just as a way to, to toughen us up, to deepen our faith. I do believe, certainly, that we are tested. It's what it means to be a person of faith in this world. Tests come our way. That is that is true, but I don't believe that God is, has this deep sinister plan kind of piling all of these things up for us. The key is when the things are piling up for us that we can make our way out of it and say, I need help here, I cannot handle this. And that's when God provides the way out. If we're able to look and see how this can happen. So friends, look to see where's the way out for you. It might be in a more plain place than you even realized. But I believe that God gives us the way, God gives us the eyes to see and the ways to hear where this might be for you. The first step is to say, I I need help. I cannot handle this. And then allow God to lead us through. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast I'll be back next week for another sermon in this sermon series. You can also go to my website, com and hear the other podcasts that I do uh, called Failing Boldly. And you can also go to our Urban Village Podbean page to hear other sermons from our Urban Village pastors. And so, friends, until the next week that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.